From the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster. Welcome back. My name is John, and this is the Dewey Podmaster Podcast. This is your weekly podcast about all kinds of Christmas bullshit, and we are bringing you one more week Christmas bullshit because it's December 26th, and we figured, fuck it, why not? With me this week is the host of the Dewey Podmaster Podcast. His name is Sean. And Sean, I was asked to have you remind me why you hate carnivals. <laughs> oh, I forgot that you were going to ask me about that. When we talked about being duped, totally forgot that the reason i don't like carnivals or like the carnivals that you see like that they set up at schools or parking lots or whatever Mm. there was a carnival by my parents house when i was young i was like 13 and i had my first job and i brought some cash with me and they have those games where you you know they're like oh it's two bucks to throw a dart or whatever to pop the balloon and i gave them mistakenly an idiot 13 year old gave him a 20 and they let me keep throwing and i didn't realize that i was paying for every throw so that now i i don't like carnies and i don't like carnivals or clowns so did you get like three darts out of that or something no i got a lot i want a painted those painted glass things so i got a kiss yeah painted glass thing and i don't like kiss so that was one thing and i got a black bart simpson dunking a basketball so those are the Black two things that I got. African-American? Or? Yes, a brown-skinned Bart Simpson dunking a basketball. Do you still have that? I think I do. I think it's still at my parents' house. I feel like that would be worse, something just on how, like, bootleg it is. politically correct it is. <laughs> <laughs> how bullshit it is? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Painted you glass. want to hear why I hate carnivals? Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love to hear it. Fits right in the Christmas motif. Yeah, this kind of does, because it involves retail. One of my first jobs... I was underage at the time, so I was like 17, 16, something like that. I was working at a Target, just pushing carts in the parking lot and stuff. And they did a big summer carnival every year in the parking lot. Well, unbeknownst to me, when carny folks set up a carnival in your parking lot, your public bathroom becomes their bathroom, not just for using the restroom to do what you would expect to do in a Target restroom, but they're like in their, they got their feet in the sink and they're like, they're basically bathing inside this bathroom inside of a Target sink. And if you've ever, I'm assuming most people who hear this have been in a Target or your average department store, it's not exactly equipped for bathing, but these <laughs> people found a way to do it anyway. Like I said, I was young and stupid and pushing carts, so I was watching them like build these rides, and I'm sure it was very up to code. And like the second day that they were running this carnival, the games were on the other side of the parking lot, so I couldn't really see any of that shit, which I was fine with. But the rides were on the side where where our store was, and they had the big, I think it was the Tilt War, the one with World, the one with the big like they look like big teacups basically, and they just spin around and like tip you back and forth sure one of the big spinning things fell off i was like yeah well that's all the more reason for me not to like carnivals we should just why are we even talking about a movie we should just talk about carnivals just carnival fuck-ups yeah it's carnival podcast christmas (laughs) carnival podcast for christmas ho ho carnival so yeah there we go little off topic from us for usual but who cares whatever what have you been watching this week i watched a lot of stuff i'm gonna withhold some of it let me let me look through Let me look through my list real quick and make sure that I can talk about the stuff that maybe people want to hear about. (laughs) I watched. So I was sick when we recorded with BP. I was the day before I stayed in bed all day. I watched four hours of the 30 for 30 about Bill Walton. It's a four part series, like an hour each, roughly about Bill Walton. And I didn't really know much about Bill Walton other than the fact that he was 
annoying as hell to listen to as an announcer. Gave me a bit of a newfound respect for Bill Walton, like all the shit that he's been through in his life and, you know, how he dealt with being himself and all his story. So it it covers a lot of the stuff like pre-college, college, pro and post, you know, post pro or whatever, being an announcer and stuff. It was interesting. Pretty good. Can I ask a question? Yeah, please do. Have you been marathoning Death Wish movies? No, but I want to because okay. Golan Globus. I noticed that there were several of them all of a sudden available. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what someone's planning. Yeah, all five of them are on there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. want to get past one and two because I hear it just falls off the rails quickly and I'm looking forward to it, but I haven't watched any yet. <laughs> what I did watch, I heard an interview recently with Bobcat Goldthwait and he talked about a movie that he had directed around in the 2000s, like earlier 2000s, called Windy City Heat. And I don't know if you've heard of Windy City Heat, but it's available for... I haven't, but I like him as a director, surprisingly. It's free on YouTube. You can watch the cut. I think it's like a... I don't know if it's uncensored, but it's like the director's cut. And I think that's how it's on YouTube, living on YouTube. Basically, this movie is... they. There is a guy, his name is Perry Caravello. Perry F. Caravello, I think is his name. He's a comedian. He's friends with Jimmy Kimmel and I think Adam Carolla at the time. And this movie is... Bobcat Goldthwait directed it, but he's also in the movie. And what it is is kind of like a behind the scenes there. It's this elaborate prank. It's like an hour and a half prank movie where they are... They try to convince this guy that he is up for this starring role in this movie called Windy City Heat. That's supposed to be about him. And I mean, it's like a movie movie. It's not like a it's not like a reality movie, but they try to make this real movie. And there's just things where like anything that he would actually want to do, they'll swap out with a stunt double and the shit that he doesn't want to do. Like there's a scene in particular where they fill a dumpster. The scene calls for him to be thrown into a dumpster full of manure and they throw him into manure. But there's a scene where it's supposed to be like a sex scene and he's like really into it. He's really looking forward to the sex scene and they get a fatter guy as a stunt double to do the sex scene. But they take him off camera, take him off set and they don't actually do the sex scene. But so it's just this kind of subversive movie and it starts off pretty slow. It's kind of slow rolling, but it it actually starts getting really good, like really funny. And the way to describe this guy is he's he's a stand up, but he does his act is basically like a shtick off of sam kinnison so he's like imitating sam kinnison in his routine i'm not it's, even sure i like the actual sam kinnison <laughs> let alone a sam kinnison yeah impersonator i know that's like comedy sacrilege but maybe i'm wrong he tends to annoy the shit out of me no i think that he's it's pretty well well known i guess maybe mm-hmm. that's the opinion the opinion the common parlance is that sam kinnison's first album was like really good and his first special was really good, and then it kind of went off the rails after that. I liked him in Back to School, but I feel like all he is is a caricature of himself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just a real quick piece of his Yeah, he's thing. only in it for like two minutes, and that's about all I can really handle of him. Yeah, I fell down a rabbit hole on on Bobcat Goldthwait. There's another thing that I watched. It's on, I think it's on Tubi, and it's called Joyride, and it's a kind of behind-the-scenes documentary of him and Dana Gould doing their stand-up act together while they'll they'll both tell stories from the road so that's i won't get into that one too much the other thing that i watched um is i watched some fight and it was on i don't know espn or i don't know some free channel that comes on one of those streaming services like freebie freebie tv or one of those like free streaming things that everybody seems to have roku has one plex has one all that stuff yeah any in-ring announcer that's not one of the buffers michael 
or Bruce are just laughable. You, you really appreciate how good Bruce Buffer and Michael Buffer are, even though they're Michael Buffer is like a zillion years old. You appreciate yeah. a zillion times how much how much better they are compared to just a regular dude or even Jimmy Lennon Jr. is fine. Like he's pretty is good. Is that the guy that fills in for Bruce when he's not doing the big fights? The the bald guy with the mean gene uh mustache? No, Jimmy Jimmy Lennon Jr. is like uh he's kind of a skinny blonde haired guy, but I know who you're talking about too, the guy with the deep voice that does some yeah, of the I, yeah. He's, not he's pretty good. Terrible, but I mean in comparison to Bruce, it's like I mean Bruce is over there like bumping knuckles with fighters and like getting in their face and pumping that Bruce is I know Michael is the epitome of that type of ring announcer, but I, I think Bruce takes it to the next level. I think he's great. If I had my choice of people to announce my funeral service, Bruce Buffer would be like high on the list. Coincidentally, Bobcat Goldthwait would be high on the list too, but he'd have to use coked out Bobcat The old voice. Bobcat voice. Yeah, right. It's That, that joyride thing is pretty cool because Bobcat, he gets into when he stopped doing that shtick and why he stopped doing it. He kind of tells a story about it. He also tells this really interesting story about, and they use footage from it, with Jerry Seinfeld doing comedians in cars getting coffee or whatever it's called. He has somebody on, I can't remember who it is, what comedian it is, but they talk about Bobcat and Jerry Seinfeld goes off about how much he does not like Bobcat and how his he's not funny and all this shit. And Bobcat kind of says the reason that that happened was because he was on Jimmy Kimmel. He directed a lot of Jimmy Kimmel episodes, but he was on some, maybe it's Arsenio. And he brought up that how Jerry Seinfeld was 39 dating a a 19-year-old, Shoshana. Yeah. And that really pissed off Jerry Seinfeld. And 30 years later, he still carries a grudge about it. Seinfeld does. It's funny. Like, 30 years later, that story still pops up randomly. Like, hey, this guy might be a dirtbag. Why? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not even going to get into that. Like, open that can of worms. Right. But Hey, we're just talking about what we've been watching. I watched something else much longer much more supposedly highly esteemed, but I can talk about that some other time. Yeah, anything else you want to add? No, I'll, we got a lot of we got a lot of periphery around the show, so I'll let you talk about your yeah, stuff. That's true. So after you were sick, almost to the T, two days later, I decided to get sick, and we weren't in contact with each other. Yeah, no, no French kissing. Yeah, none of that good stuff. So I spent most of last week on my back, kind of rolling around like trying to watch things and like losing interest rapidly quick because i just felt like crap so i did kind of marathon through that phase off show quite a bit just because it's dumb enough that i don't really have to think like i don't know about you but when i'm sick like that i don't really want to think about anything i just kind of want to stare at something that moves and maybe is colorful and like be miserable so i did a lot of that but i did watch i found time or in somewhere in there i watched the movie air which was came out this year. It was the movie about how they made Michael Jordan's shoes or whatever, or his original one, like how they signed him and all that, which I don't know. Do you have an opinion about Affleck and all them as like that whole group that of whole guys? Crew? That to act? Yeah. I, I don't have a real problem with them. I don't like, I'm not a big Ben Affleck public persona fan. Like I don't really like his, him as a person really, but I think he does a pretty decent job as an actor. I heard it was good. Affleck or Affleck plays. Yeah. Well, Damon plays Phil Knight, right? No, Affleck does. Oh, okay. Damon plays the guy who, I forget his name. He's the guy who actually, essentially brokers the deal with Jordan. But, so, I, I'm kind of indifferent to, to Ben Affleck, the, the person, because I feel like he's, he get, I get the impression that he's a tool, but he, for so long, was like paparazzi in like the worst possible fucking way, and he doesn't help himself. 
like in a lot of ways, but I, I can't blame him for being annoyed with people in public either. Like he seems like someone who just has to deal with shit. But when you give him a chance to do something that he actually like his, not just this movie, but like Argo was a great movie and he acted and directed in that. Like he's, he can be great, but he can also do stuff like fucking Jersey girl. There's a line there, but um, this was pretty good. I mean, if you like, again, your guess is as good as mine as to how factual this story is that they're telling her what's embellished and what isn't. But if you like that kind of story, I mean, it's for an hour and a half movie. I, I was entertained with it. And then the other movie that I really liked a lot. And the main reason why I want to bring it up is because I want to tell people who haven't seen it to watch it because we're going to come back around and talk about it in depth at some point is the movie Deadstream which is a movie that came out last year on Shudder, a much better movie than a movie that we'll talk about in a little bit that came out on Shudder, or maybe not. Maybe it was crap compared to the movie that we're going to talk about. I don't want to play my hand too much. Basically, just real crash course without ruining anything. This movie is about a guy who's like a internet influencer, and he decides to live stream himself inside this supposedly haunted house for an evening and shit goes awry, as you would expect in a horror movie. And it is a found footage film, but it is, as far as that kind of movie goes, you don't really feel like you're watching a found footage film. And what I mean by that is it doesn't feel like the, does it feel low budget? Yes, but it doesn't feel low budget like I shot this on my phone and like I made this movie because this is how I had the way to make this movie. It feels like it's a step up from that. I really dug it. And like I said, I want to bring it up briefly just because it's something I want to go back to. I don't know how popular this movie is. It seems to get, seems like there's like a group of people that have seen this. And then there's a lot of people that just look at like, what's that? So if you're listening to this, I would urge you to kind of go and seek that out so we can talk about it and actually have people know what the hell we're talking about. The only other thing I tried to do, I, around 930 last night, I put on five nights at freddy's and then i woke up at 1209 and i have no idea what happened in the movie so i guess i didn't really watch all that much of it that's usually a good sign <laughs> i think it would spoke more to where i was at physically than where i was it, I, I don't i'm not blaming the movie for it because i i literally remember zero mm. of this movie i think i just literally hit the couch and was out so I guess I'll have to give that another try. But yeah, that was pretty much it. Other than a bunch of random shit that just kind of, I, I fell in several YouTube rabbit holes and I can't even entirely remember what. I did watch a pretty cool, it's like a 30, 45 minute video just of some guy going to all these different pizza places throughout Detroit, which local interest, I was kind of impressed with that and kind of like, why didn't he go to blah, 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 which I guess is a problem when you watch a local video. It wasn't Dave Portnoy, was it? Who? Dave Portnoy from Dead's uh, from Barstool. I don't think so. I think the channel name was Munchies or something like that. Mm. So I'm not sure if I can find it. I'll send it to you and we can link it in the show notes. Sure. Shouldn't be too hard to find. But yeah, that was pretty much it. That was worth mentioning for me. Well, we're going to take a break then. We'll be right back to talk about It's a Wonderful Night. So we are back. As I mentioned, we are talking about the movie It's a Wonderful Knife. This is a movie that came out uh, just in the last month or so on Shudder, but it also got a theatrical release. And we always start our movies with third-party review, and this third-party review comes from Bruce, who is a verified user on the Rotten Tomatoes. He gave this movie half a star and said, that had to be the worst movie I saw in my 60 years here on Earth. That's it. 
that's not hyperbole at all. I mean, I'm sure that's 100% <laughs> accurate. Sean, tell us what this movie's about. We go over to IMDb, where we have the plot and the storyline. I don't know. I didn't pre-read this, so I'll just read them now and we'll see what's different about it. The plot says, after saving her town from a psychotic killer, Winnie Carruthers' life is less than wonderful. When she wishes she'd never been born, she finds herself in a nightmare parallel universe where without her, things could be much, much worse. And then if we go to the storyline, Care of Independent in- Entertainment, it says, set in idyllic Angel Falls a year after saving her town from a psychotic killer on Christmas Eve. Winnie Carruthers' life is less than wonderful, but when she wishes she'd never been born, she finds herself in a nightmare parallel universe and discovers that without her, things could be much, much worse. Now the killer is back and she must team up with the town misfit to identify the killer and get back to her own reality. I guess where to start, is this your first one of these movies that's kind of taking, it's not like a straight remake, but it's taking a old property and kind of throwing some horror movie paint on it and presenting it as like a not necessarily a new idea i think this one especially is like very much so telling you that it's ripping off it's a wonderful life earlier this year we had totally totally killer which i actually enjoyed i don't know if you ever got around to watching that or not i did not the same guy who wrote this wrote the movie freaky which is essentially freaky friday but with horror movie paint on it which i actually thought that was pretty good too and I think there's been several others. Is this your first one of these movies that's been the take an old idea and paint it with blood and see how it goes? I think of this era. Yeah, it probably is. Okay. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? <laughs> Maybe I'm jumping ahead. I guess we should kind of start with some of the people that are in this movie. I mean, you got Justin Long in this movie because he pops up in fucking everything now. You have Joel McHale in this movie, which is not exactly a selling point to me. <laughs> and then Jane Widrop, which isn't she in that, uh, what's that fucking show? Anyway, tell me more about this movie, Sean. <laughs> I don't know what show she's in because I don't know if I've seen her before. Isn't she, I, th- I thought you were watching it, but maybe not. Well, let's, let's look oh, at She's in IMDb. Christmas Vacation, apparently. Oh, Yellow Jackets. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. I did so. not even recognize her from Yellow Jackets. So shows, I haven't watched season two. I don't know if she's like a season one. She's, I don't, I'm an idiot. Maybe she's in the whole thing. I didn't recognize her. Basically what the storyline of the plot said from IMDb, Winnie has a, a good life. You know, she, all her friends and everything. The first 15 minutes is basically her normal life. Joel McHale is her dad, which I thought, again, Joel McHale is not necessarily a selling point for these types of things because it seems like he does a lot of trash and things that don't get off the ground. It's because he is trash. Fucking hate Joel McHale. This is the first movie that I can think of, or the first role that I can think of, where he plays an adult, like he plays a parent. Generally, he does or plays his age, I guess. Generally, like with Community, I feel like he played somebody that was supposed to be way younger than him. And I think the kind of I don't know the the thing that they go with for him seems like he's always playing a twenty late twenty to like early. 40 year old but never has kids it's never these like serious roles and not that this is really that serious but it's more serious than what i've seen him before he feels like the 40 year old that they perpetually cast in like 22 year old college guy role yeah like he would be in the next van wilder or something he'd be in van wilder 3 for some reason where he's like yeah 30 years outside of how old he should be for the the role so when he has she she catches the killer and it, it's not really spoiling anything to say that within the first 15 minutes we find out that justin long is the angel killer and she ends up killing him after he kills some of her friends it's a year later she goes to the pier she sees the northern lights she wishes that she hadn't been born because her life is just shit she doesn't get accepted into the ph- photography program at ny state or or whatever new york wherever some new york university and 
her wish comes true and then she is immediately transferred into this parallel universe where again she had never been born so the killer was never stopped the killing has continued for the year that she's been away i guess and we pick up she starts to try and reconnect with her family who doesn't know who she is she tries to reconnect with friends again who don't know who she is because she was never born it has that's really where the the wonderful life parallels end i mean i i can't say that on take this for what it's worth i've never seen it's a wonderful life like the whole thing i know kind of what I it's about hate it's a wonderful i fucking hate that movie have you seen so it like the whole thing it. yes and I hate it. Okay. is it, That's more of like a Christmas story thing, right? With it's like, like kind of like Ebenezer Scrooge, the no, ghost of Christmas, blah, 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 right? Kind of. It's a story about a guy trying to kill himself and somehow it's been like shoehorned into this Christmas classic because at the end of it, he's like, maybe I shouldn't kill myself. Yeah. And there's snow. Every it, time it's a fucking terrible bell movie. rings, an angel gets its wings. Yeah. It's crap. So really, that's kind of where the parallel between <laughs> this and It's a Wonderful Life. I'm end, in a good mood it? tonight. <laughs> okay. Yeah, your I, for the most part, I I want to say that the town name might be the same as the town that's in It's a Wonderful Life. I don't like it enough to remember for sure. It doesn't really make a difference. I mean, this movie. So you've already said something in the five minutes we've been talking about this movie that I didn't realize was a part of the plot of this movie. <laughs> when you mentioned that she goes and makes her wish that she never existed, and you said that was a year after the killings and yes. whatnot. Mm -hmm. I thought it was like immediate after the killings. Like I somehow missed that a year had taken place between these because maybe it's because it happens that quick. Maybe it's because, frankly, this movie's really not that fucking interesting and it doesn't do a good job of telling the story that's trying to tell it does enough to piece together the main parts like you realize when she wakes up and no one knows who she is like oh okay she made this wish and now it's like she never existed she's just this person that's kind of stuck in this weird universe she runs with it but she doesn't really run with it in a way that kind of makes sense for why she made that wish in the first place like she wishes she never existed and then she gets that wish why is she trying to rekindle all these relationships why does she just like get out and go to new york or whatever and try to pursue her what she was trying to do it, it doesn't really make sense as far as that goes but more importantly for the point of this movie is it doesn't really do a good job of making this uh of justifying its hour and a half runtime by pulling together this bullshit it's a wonderful life throwback like if this movie was just the first i don't know 10 minutes of the movie and then it ended i'd probably give it like eight out of ten hot dogs something like that but instead, we get this whole, like, time shift fucking, like, mystery whodunit, like, I don't know, masquerading is a bad comedy that never really ties anything together. And did you like anything about this movie? <laughs> Man, this is like, this is Freaky Friday right here, I think, for us. This is a little bit of a role <laughs> reversal. You're like, you must have had a bad fucking day. Like, this is, I didn't think it was that bad. Do they tell you the one year later thing? Is it kind? Does it kind of blend in? Yeah. So when Justin Long's character, who is this, he's a wealthy real estate developer who happens to be, I think he's the mayor in the first part, like before the time shift. Yeah, he is. He's buying up all these properties. He's the mayor throughout the whole storyline, as far as I, as far as I could tell. He's buying up all these properties. He wants to build a strip mall or something in this small town. He's targeting people who own businesses that aren't selling to him, essentially, and when he dies, almost implied that he's kind of Donald Trump, but they yeah. don't say it. He's got a very bad fake tan and weird hair. His, and, yeah, his wig's kind of weird, and he's got teeth are like 
perfect and white. Yeah. It almost takes you out of the fact that it is Justin Long because he looks just different enough that you're kind of like, as the movie progresses, it's, he's very recognizable. But at first I was like, oh shit. I did have to pause. I'm like, is that just, I had did a little bit of a double take. I'm like, okay, I guess that's what he looks like in this movie. But the, when he dies, because like I said, he is revealed to be the killer in the first 15 minutes. So no spoilers or anything on this. I mean, if you watch 15 minutes of it in for a penny in for a pound, right? You're going to know that he's the killer in this, in this thing. And when they flash to initially, the movie starts with this kind of cheesy commercial where he's trying to talk about how great the town is. And then it moves ahead after he dies. Joel McHale and Winnie's brother are now these realtors or something. They took over the business that, you know, this guy was running. And then it's like a year later and her life is shit. Her brother, she gets like some a tracksuit or some like pink tracksuit for Christmas. And her brother gets a new truck because he's a, he's working with the dad and whatnot. And that's when she's like, Oh, life sucks. Cause I didn't get a truck. I didn't get into college and I'm 18 and life, my life's ahead of me. Whatever. Like I no commentary <laughs> on that, but sounds like you've had this conversation before. <laughs> I don't have any 18 year olds yet, thankfully, but you know, anyways. Um, so the movie progresses and maybe it's because I haven't seen all these kind of twists on this kind of old theme. I mean, we we do, right? We see old movies remade as new ideas and they change characters and they change one little thing about it and they repackage it and they resell it as a new movie. This movie, I think my my big complaint on this is there's some things that just don't tie together. There's a scene, the killer, for example, like the way that he, this is so nitpicky, but he, the way he dies is when he hooks these, like a jumper cable up to him mm -hmm. and it's supposed to fry him, but she takes it off the battery, which is actually powering the jumper cables and all the light. So the, why, where is the electricity coming from and why can she touch him after, like immediately afterwards? Again, nitpick, but she also doesn't attach it to him. She attaches it to his clothing, which wouldn't necessarily complete the circuit, thus conducting electricity. I'm not an electrician, but it seems kind of fishy to me. I learned this this morning from listening to the You Run podcast because apparently one of them is an electrician and they explained how someone would die in Jurassic Park. Oh, OK. Well, that makes sense. Credible source then. The thing for me. I'm taking it. Yeah, I haven't I, I don't haven't seen enough of these, but I know the regurgitating of old ideas, sequelitis, hero Marvel movies and shit like up your ass is like basically what movies are about these days. There's no original, not very many original ideas, not no original ideas, but especially in big budget shit. There's not a lot of new ideas because they don't want to take risks. This movie kind of does the thing, but it seems like the parallel, they're just banking off the name of It's a Wonderful Life and doing the little, you know, play on it. It's a Wonderful Knife, but it doesn't really have any relation to the old movie. And that's fine. I Like I mentioned earlier, I've never even seen the old, the original one. So, and there, I think there's, that's based off of a different fucking movie too. So whatever. is it, I thought it was based off a book, but okay. I don't know. Who cares? It's like from the thirties. Gives a shit. Regardless, to get go back to everything your point is like why doesn't she just leave she doesn't have anything holding her down here anymore and i thought that too like if you want to go to the school this town is a shithole when you come back and the thing that i didn't understand is all these people are dying like all these people have died over the year and four people die in like the night that she comes back which is like christmas eve night or whatever how is this guy still the mayor like all 60 people have died or 20 whatever some amount of people more than 20 people have died. How is this guy still in office? You know what's fun about that? So, and we've already spoiled this. So, it, it, spoilers from probably 10 minutes ago now. You mentioned when she kills the mayor at the end of the movie. 
beginning of the movie. No, she kills him again at the end of the movie. Oh, okay. Sorry. The, I the jumper cable part. and That's at the beginning. No, it's at the end. She kills him with the jumper cables at the beginning. She kills him with the jumper cables at the end, too. And with an axe or something. My point is, she kills him in front of, like, he gives this whole speech and she kills him at the end of the movie and there's a whole town watching him give this speech. And she's up there, like, assaulting him and, like, beating the shit out of him and kills him and none of them do any no one goes stop well they're under a trance or something because all their eyes are blue and then when that happens they're like knocked out of this trance there's a lot of things going back to what you said earlier you said a lot of the things don't tie together it doesn't make a lot of sense there are a lot of unexplained things this knife the key character of it it's a wonderful knife they don't ever say anything about it but it is clear that it is like a focal point of this story and at the end of the movie at the very end when all the credits roll at the end they show the knife i mean they show like a picture of the knife or a drawing of the knife or whatever and that's like the thing that it fades out on there's no end scene or any stinger at the end of the movie to kind of do anything thankfully but the knife plays such an important part but they never talk about it this trance thing they never talk about it. The Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights, and how that ties all this shit together. They never talk about it. Okay, the, that's mysticism or whatever. I can suspend disbelief. She meets a character in the other dimension, and when she comes back, the person is the only one that remembers that any of this stuff happened. That's dumb. I don't understand how just this one person has any impact. My big complaint, my biggest complaint about this movie, I have two. Biggest complaint number one is that they, t- they try to tie all this shit together. And it, it just ends too, too, too flowery. It's too good. It's too nice at the end. It just all wraps up with a nice bow and everybody's happy. And that's not how these kind of movies should end. Number two big complaint is that, and probably the bigger crime about this movie, is that first 15 minutes we have like four victims. And then the last 10 minutes is like a, they could just, you don't need the part in the middle. Or you chop those ends off and you have an hour long thing that could just be a TV movie. You know what I mean? Or a two part half an hour episode of something like some limited series. It's just kind of a, I don't know, it's a kind of a waste in that respect. Well, it falls on poor writing, which I don't think you would argue based off what you just said about the plot holes and the lack of explanation and anything that the the writing is not exactly the strong suit of this film it doesn't do a cohesive job of looping together what's going on in the story why we give a shit about anything that's going on in the story and drawing you in i mean if it's gonna take i think at the core of it if you want to take any old title just it's a wonderful life but make it a slasher whatever all you really need to achieve the bare minimum you need to achieve is kill some people yeah and you can't do it all in like the first five minutes of the movie if you made this movie and let's just say however you got to it like every other complaint that that either of us have had so far all you did is that but you sprinkle in 15 bodies in random ways okay well you made a slasher movie still so i mean i guess this technically still is but that's kind of the bare minimum you need to do to make an entertaining slasher movie and like you said this movie kind of bookends with the the intro is up to where they killed the mayor the first time it's it's fine again i think it would be a better 10 minute youtube clip or something than it is a feature length film but it's fine. It looks the the um, effects aren't to my liking. They're a little too CG for me, but whatever. I've certainly seen worse this year, let alone, you know, over the course of my time watching questionable movies. But there's not enough in it to kind of make you feel like this character's ever really in danger or anything like that other than being confused which i don't give a shit about that like she's an 18 year old girl of course she's fucking confused if she had all her shit together she wouldn't be an 18 year old girl right maybe that's a leap 
but I don't feel <laughs> like it's totally off. Where's your jump to conclusions, Matt? John? It's back there. There's the humor that's in it is often misguided. Like it doesn't land. At least it doesn't land for me. Having Joe McHale being your movie is, like I said, an instant. If we're grading on a, a 10 or 11 point scale, like right there, you, sh- you chopped off at least four points just by having Joe McHale in your fucking movie. And the fact that you don't have him. Wait, he does die in this, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I don't know. Are we going to reveal that? Yeah. Fuck it. I don't know. It just, it doesn't feel like it pulls anything together. And it doesn't feel that it's written interestingly enough to even say, you know, we've talked about other movies that we haven't really been crazy about and said, you know, this wasn't great, but there's the bones of a good movie here. I don't even feel like this has the bones of a good movie in it or like the skeleton of a good movie behind it or like a good idea behind it. It just feels like you said, it's an attempt to cash in in a name on a name and see how far they can take it, which apparently is working. It feels to me like there was a much longer movie in here again with the knife, the significance of the knife, them cutting to the knife, them showing the knife. The end just wraps up like they had possible 50 bucks left in the account and they're like, shit. We've only got 50, but okay, just fucking finish it. Whatever. Let's just end it. It seemed like there was a lot more there that, that they've wanted to establish or wanted to explore. Like the brother of the mayor is this at the beginning of the movie in the original universe or in the real reality or whatever we're calling it. He's like this kind of douchebag TikTok. I mean, they mentioned TikTok by name and he's starting like an OnlyFans account, all this shit, whatever. And then in the new reality, because all these people are getting killed, he ends up being the sheriff of the town. And then we see him like two times through the rest of the movie and never again. So it's like there's all these little hints or like breadcrumbs of all these things that they wanted to do in the movie that they just never, they never can expand on or never make a fully fleshed idea because they are, there's like some time crunch or some rush and they just, things that seem like they're going to be important never are important. It's, it's, it's a confusing, it, it's cohesive in the way that like it's a story and you're, you it's very linear, but it attempts to, be insightful very and branching deep, but yeah. it doesn't yeah it doesn't fill that fill those branches out at all it's trying to like punch above its weight but it doesn't have any power you know it's like trying to fight a, a bigger fight than it's just not equipped for and it just to me like i said it feels like there was budget constraints or time constraints or something that that didn't let it fulfill what it actually wanted to do not that i'm ever interested in reading the script to see what the movie was supposed to be but it just feels like it fell short and that wasn't the original plan yeah it would be interesting to not that i'm gonna watch it because if you can't tell i love this movie so much it would be interesting to see if there's a director's cut of this just to see what the runtime difference is see how much actually ended up on the cutting room floor like i said i don't think that would convince me to give it another try because then we get into a different problem of i don't like three hour movies but here we are have you watched a lot of shutter movies before other than deadstream off the top i i don't think so but i'm not sure i truthfully like i don't really think of a movie as like a shutter movie or a netflix movie or whatever like it it doesn't I know that's like the new thing that movies do because they're branded with streaming companies and all this shit. I don't ever really think of that. At least I try not to because I almost feel like it draws away from what a movie could like. I I don't care who the production company is. Just make something good. Yeah, I was just wondering if this is the if if they're like what the quality is of these kind of movies. This is the first one I've seen, so I don't know if it's. Again, comparing it to Deadstream, night and day, I would go as far right now to say Deadstream is one of the best things I've watched this year. And I realize it came out last year, but I didn't see it till this year. So for me, it's one of the be- one of the better things I've seen in 2023. So yeah, this 
we'll get to it but it's like in a neck and neck race with cobweb as far as how entertained i was by this thing oh so so speaking very highly of it yeah i i was i i can't i don't have a whole lot positive to say about this movie really like i could just shit on it and i i will get to that a little bit more but if you're looking if you're asking me like my opinion of the quality of like shutter movies this would not be the one that i use to judge that i don't think this is a accurate representation of what they can produce i was just wondering more so along the lines of as we've mentioned in previous episodes and we talked about one last year around this time i've watched a lot of hallmark movies my wife loves the hallmark christmas movies and lifetime christmas and all these things and that's kind of like what they do you know around this time of year is they put a new one out every year and i know shutter obviously is a service that's primarily horror movies right i don't know if they're they do anything else i just wondered if it's if they're regarded with the same kind of i don't know fanfare or whatever like hallmark movies they're all the same you know they're all they all have this variation of a of a story and at the time at the end the the woman who comes back to her hometown meets up with the man of her dreams and they get they they know each other for like a week and they're in love and they get married and live happily ever after i just wonder if these movies are kind of like there's not a lot of substance to them you know you just kind of oh i'm kind of interested in horror movie i'll turn this on because it's on shutter and it's out i just wondered if it was the same kind of they had the same kind of reputation just doing a quick search on original shutter movies looking at a lot of these titles no i haven't seen the majority of these again the the two that we've already mentioned are the ones i've seen but speak no evil is one of them and when we talked with jordana on her show about some movies that actually scared us. That was one that she brought up that you looked intrigued by. Um, Host is one that she's brought up. So Jordan has recommended quite a few of these movies to both of us, actually. So that's, again, that that is actually a vote of confidence. I guess they have the new Creep Show TV sh- uh, series that they're doing. That's a Shutter original. Okay. Which I haven't watched that, but I love the original movie. So I, I've wanted to watch it. I just never got around to it. Skinman Rink, blah, blah, blah. Skinman Rink is a Shutter original. So that's another one of theirs. So yeah, they've, they've, I don't think this movie speaks to the quality. Just looking at these titles without reading off a list of what looks like 30 films or so. What I do know is these are all very different types of horror movies. Okay. So I wanted to ask you one other question about this movie. What did you think of the killer's design or outfit or whatever? It was okay, but kind of boring. It was almost like an inverted ghost face, but without any detail on the actual face. I guess if you're going to set a movie in like, winter and christmas and whatnot wearing all white makes sense because you're going to blend in a lot more than if you were wearing practically any other color other than maybe red or green it would look silly if he was dressed up like some kind of ghost face version of santa and i'm saying ghost face for lack of better wording i wasn't overly like impressed with it like if if i were dressing up for halloween this wouldn't be anywhere on my like halloween costume list but i wasn't like turned off by it either like it didn't distract me or take me out of it that i was indifferent to it so just to describe it it's like like you said ghost face flowing robes basically but white instead of black and the mask is just a white mask that's kind of contoured to look like a general outline of a face but there's no real detail at all to it so yeah i just wondered like it happened near the end where this thing's this this angel or i think that it's just the angel is killing all these people and it's all white and there's like never any blood on it, which I thought was really interesting until the end when they kind of 
the person in the suit gets theirs. And the one scene with the axe where it had some splatter on him. But that's but like the end, near the end. He's got like the best dry cleaner on the planet because whenever you see him again. Yeah, or he has several outfits. Yeah, I guess that's logical too. I was, and not to not to get too into detail on what happens, but I was really kind of expecting to see a multiple killer, aka scream aspect. Yeah, I was actually surprised that didn't come up, especially when you get to the point where they start doing reveals in the second half of the movie. I was really expecting there to be more than one killer and actually kind of relieved that there wasn't because we talked about Sick earlier this year, that movie. Yeah. And I don't remember if you had the same thought, but when as soon as they revealed the second killer in that movie, I'm like, of course, there's two fucking killers. Kevin Wilkinson wrote this fucking movie like it. it That that shtick is so used up if you're not scream and even in scream, it's used up in that franchise, too. But if you're not in that franchise, it's like, all right, just fucking cut it out. Either have like 40 killers or one. Like we don't need the whole multiple killer thing anymore or at least i don't need it either be invasion usa or be friday the 13th got it yeah exactly got anything else you want to add before we kind of start hot dogging it up here no let's wrap all right you want me to kick us off sure plain and simple fuck this movie this movie is boring it's uninspired it doesn't deliver on being a christmas movie a comedy movie or a horror movie which is what it touts itself as the kills are uninventive. Basically, every kill is just a simple, like, I st- you, guy gets stabbed, falls over. There's no real anything in this movie that you haven't seen. The characters are boring and undrawn out. They're uninteresting. The writing's bad, and the look, the effects are nothing spectacular. The only thing that I will really give this movie credit for is I'm starting to feel like we're getting a second generation of, like, lackluster slasher movies that are just popping up randomly. And there's a part of me that likes that because that's where you start finding weird gems and movies that aren't necessarily great, but they're a slasher movie and we watch them anyway. Movies like The Mutilator or something like that, that no, this is not a great movie, but it falls in the genre that I want to see. So it's got that going for it. On the hot dog scale, I would give it three, I would give it three, uh, Justin Long, tan, bad tan job, uh, hot dog skins out of 10, I don't know get out of my Friday the 13th, something like that. This is one of the least entertaining movies that we've watched for the show, in my opinion. I, like I said, it's in the dregs of uh, Cobweb. Even the stuff that we watch in Crummy Movie March, yes, even your uh, Black Devil Doll from Hell, I would put on well over this because this movie is just, it It fails at all the things I want to see in movie. So you're saying you liked it? Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I did not expect to hear you say that all right and i don't know what i was expecting to hear you say but i was not expecting you to absolutely despise the movie and say it was the worst thing we've seen this year so i said it's up there i okay I you okay don't yes. want to don't want to miss the dregs you. it's in the bottom bottom two at something two percent yeah four percent whatever so for me <laughs> i have a little bit of a different take uh, i thought it was an, a kind of an interesting take on it's a wonderful life it didn't really have much to do with the movie but again kind of a cash in on the title and hey you got us to watch it right after we talked to we should mention that john isberg is the one that kind of brought this up and brought it to our attention so john if you're listening thanks for bringing it up this john hated it <laughs> uh but for me i thought that it plays it plays i don't know the way it plays out with those 15 minutes at the beginning to set it up and the 10 minutes at the end to kind of wrap it up it wrapped it up a little bit too nicely. Like I said, I thought that there was something, there must've been a too way too much 
cut out of this movie to make any of the other things make sense, like the knife and the the trance that they put all the townspeople in at the end didn't really make any sense because none of that was actually in the movie. But I thought that because it was so short, it did help with pacing. The movie felt like it moved along pretty well, but it made it also feel like a TV show, like it didn't need to be a full movie. It could have just been a TV show, and I'm not really a fan of that. Like, if it's going to be a full movie, just make it a movie. I think that John's a big fan of this, and I'm generally not a big fan of this, but I felt like this was a perfect kind of turn your brain off kind of movie because you didn't have to follow anything. You could have just caught it at any point, and it would have been like, oh, okay, this guy, 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 he died. He dead. Okay, next person, they're dead. So if that's what you're looking for, I think this movie fits into that slot, but I don't think there's a whole lot of depth to it. It didn't, you know, some, there were so many like little plot holes and weird things that happen. Whatever. It's fine. I mean, it's fine. I'd give it five, five Santa sucks balls out of 11 hot dogs for me. I mean, it's not the best thing I've seen, but it's definitely not. It's, I wouldn't say it's as bad as cobweb. And I think that's just because you've been hammering that into my head that cobweb was one of the movies that we did not like at all this year. And, and I remember not liking it at all, but I don't think it's quite cobweb bad, but it wasn't great. Like, I don't feel the need to watch this again. But like I said, if you're just sitting, turning something on and you're like, something needs to be on the background while I wrap gifts or while I take a shit or something and I don't want to hear my own grunting, this is perfectly fine for that. Yeah, no, go watch High Silent standards. Night, Deadly Night 2. It's it's garbage day. This movie belongs. Just go watch that. It's a much better piece of shit movie. So with that, we now turn to you, the loyal audience, and we asked the question of the week. And this week's question of the week was a pretty simple one, kind of playing off the, I'm going to go ahead and call it a trend because again, there's at least three of them. And I think they were all written by the same guy where they're taking these old concepts and kind of rewriting them to be a horror movie of some kind, whether it's a slasher or other. So the question of the week is, what classic film would you like to see remade into a horror movie? So this was asked, and a lot of people ran with the Christmas theme, and that's cool. We weren't necessarily looking for just Christmas, but whatever you want to do, we're here for it. To kick us off, we're going to go over to X, and we're going to go with Pearl, who is at Hissy Face X, and she had the audacity and the gumption to actually record a response, so we're going to drop that in and let you hear that, and then we will read the rest of your responses. Hi, friends. I wanted to answer John's question of the week, and it's what classic Christmas story would you remake into a horror flick? And my obvious go-to was Home Alone, but like maybe Kevin is grown up and he's had some trauma and he gets to fuck up the What Bandits for real. And then my other answer was... A Christmas Carol? That's the one with the ghosts and going back and forth in time. Well, in my version, it's a revenge story, and the guy in the long pajamas gets to go back in time and fuck up people, and then he gets to go forward in time and fuck up some people, and then present day, it all gets wrapped up in a nice little bow, and there's lots of blood and guts and boobs. So what she said with the Home Alone, like, as a murder movie, I kind of like the idea of Home Alone meets Violent Night meets Saw. That's pretty much what you would end up getting, and I, I'd watch that. Yeah, no arguments here. That sounds like fun. Absolutely. I, like, we kind of got a little bit of it in Violent Night, but I, it would not be bad to see the full thing. I just don't. There couldn't just be two wet bandits, I don't think, unless they're, like, the killers. I also would love to see, what is Macaulay Culkin now, like, 40-ish? Right but, around yeah, there, probably 40, late 30s, early 40s, like yeah. I'd like to see him doing this to 90 year old joe pesci and like probably 95 year old david stern that would kind of make it even i think funnier. joe pesci's so. 
the older one. It, whatever. Either way, they're not young. No. I don't think they're putting up much of... Well, Pesci probably would still put up a fight. I don't know about David Stern, but... Daniel Stern. And then, David Stern was the old Daniel NBA Stern. commissioner. And he's dead, yeah. I believe. Yeah. He's definitely not putting up a fight. Unless <laughs> it's Weekend at Bernie's. For the movie. Weekend at Home Alone. There you go. Well, that kind of wraps into the other movie that she had talked about being a Christmas Carol, which the idea of doing the Christmas Carol as like a straight horror remake, like I've seen so many remakes of Christmas Carol that that's one of those stories that unless you're a Muppet, I kind of don't really need to see you again. But if you're going to do it to quote Pearl with boobs, guts and gore or whatever she was in blood, I mean, how bad could it be? Couldn't be any worse than this fucking movie we talked about today, right? Some of your other responses. So Kevin and Jason at KJ and a podcast said the computer wore tennis shoes. The basic premise to bend it to darker version. Dexter learns and recalls serial killer knowledge and becomes one himself, but more violent and harder to track. It could work. So I asked someone, I was like, the computer wore tennis shoes. Is that a movie? which is, it is have you heard of this i, I have okay i yeah, hadn't heard Russell. of it so he okay he gave a little bit of an explanation on it do you want to give a five second crash course on what the movie is or no no <laughs> i don't remember enough about it i just remember i know that they're in it he's in it it's a comedy sci-fi movie that came out in 1969 with kurt russell i i don't remember this one our friends over at dissect that santa also at dissect that film they mentioned i would love to see a horror retelling of the wizard of oz that would actually be a really cool opportunity to see like a really like not the Sam Raimi one, like a truly dark, like creature feature version of Wizard of Oz. I could see that being really fun. Haven't you ever seen Return to Oz? Isn't that what that is? The one Michael Jackson? in it? No, that's the Wiz. <laughs> oh, Return to Oz is the Ferruzia Balk. I think it was Ferruzia Balk's like an original like de- oh, ball, dude, I, debut. It's, and that's like that's one that it's been like forever is like nightmare fuel. If you've seen it at a certain age. I've never seen it, but I know it's supposed to be like a dark Dorothy comes back to Oz and all that stuff. And the flying monkeys are like horrific, more horrific than they were in the original. Is that where they uh, introduced the character Jack Skellington? Didn't that have like a tie to one of those movies? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, I just know the Tin Man looks really weird. Like all the characters look really distended and weird and not the original designs. And I think that's probably part of what is Nightmare Fuel. Maybe we'll watch that for one of these things. I've always wanted to watch it and I... I haven't seen it. Sounds like it could be fun. We'll put that down for future reference. Just Jody at Just Jody Hart said Drop Dead Fred, which I don't even remember that movie, but okay. Phoebe Cates, Rick Mile from The Young Ones. She's like, he's like the imaginary friend. Uh, Let's see. At Other Stories, one, two, three said, I would like to see Back to the Future where Marty has to go back in time to fuck up some racists from the 50s. That's basically Inglorious Bastards, but okay. (laughs) At Sean Benoit 9 said, perhaps a combination of Christmas Vacation and Falling Down, where Clark gets so disillusioned by his uh, Christmas not working that he goes out on a murderous rampage. Sorry, my answer sucks in comparison. No, that's not a bad idea. (laughs) I could see that happening. He's almost, right. you know, for flushing his boss. He's almost into that. He's almost there. I mean, he, yeah, he gets there. Our friend over at Pop Culture Reflections Podcast or Pop Cult Ref Pod says Scorsese's King of Comedy in this horror remake. Rupert Pupkin is a serial killer who does an awful one hour comedic monologue to his tied up and gag victims before killing. Have you ever seen King of Comedy? I haven't. I've heard a lot about it, but I haven't seen it. It's a great underrated movie. And I was talking about with him. If you saw the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, which I'm assuming you did. I have. There's a lot of like vibes from that movie in it, but it's a really dark Scorsese movie that 
just it's it's in this like weird corner because it's not a gangster movie definitely recommend anyone who's listening to this or if you're sean that you check it out it's it's a great movie let's see smash trivia john at smash trivia john said project elf i know it's not really a classic but it would be a good horror comedy where elf is on the run hiding from the terrifying u.s government niz at Nizinski says, Dumb and Dumber, OG Harry and Lloyd, go on an adventure to find love. Harry's girlfriend gets sick and the zombie virus breaks out. Now we have Dumb and Dumber with Jim Carrey Jeff Dan- and Jeff Daniels trying to survive a zombie apocalypse while they can't even wipe their own ass. A couple bumblers through a zombie apocalypse? That could be pretty good. Honestly, if you could recapture the genius as the original Dumb and Dumber movie, not the sequel. Not Dumber the original and one, Yeah, or the one with Matt Damon and the other guy. I don't even remember. Not those. Go for it. At Layton Confuse has chimed and said, hmm, good question. Maybe it'd be fun seeing a movie like The Night Before turned into a murder mystery. Like after the night of hard partying, a group of friends wakes up in their hotel room to find a dead body, leading them to try and find out who the killer is. Didn't they make a movie like that with Jeremy Piven and David Stern? Very bad things. Daniel Stern? Daniel Stern. Whatever. <laughs> We'll just keep, I'll keep flip-flopping them and totally confuse you. She follows up and says, oh, wait, you said classic film. Sorry. Bell, Book, and Candle would be fun to be spun into a horror movie as it seems to have that air, except make it more horror. The witch's love spell goes wrong and it kills the object of one's affection. At Oddcast N says, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer starts the same, but Rudolph snaps from the bullying and becomes a slasher killer and kills off all the others. Finale would be him ending Santa flying off to deliver his deadly presence to the world. Isn't there a Rankin-Bass parody, like someone did a parody of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer where he is a killer or something, or is that something? I think I got to think that's out there somewhere on YouTube or somewhere that's been done. That's like a, a spike and Mike twisted animation thing. Yeah, something like that. At King Frank 1986 said, I w- I'd make a Muppet Christmas Carol into a horror film where all the Muppets are twisted versions of themselves. You can't go wrong with Muppets. No, I think that's a great idea. I'd love to see Muppets killing some people. Yeah, why not? This is one of my favorite responses. Rick Chard Void said, Billy from Silent Night, Deadly Night, visiting the Hallmark Channel for a week of programming. I agree. As a veteran of the Hallmark <laughs> movie wars, I would love to see this happen. It's one of my favorites. All right. So thank you for all those over on Twitter. And then we have one more response from our friends over the You Run podcast. Scott replied on Instagram and he said, let's keep it festive and said, Jack Frost. I asked him if he was referring to the non in non-murder snowman form. He goes, no, no, no full murder version i want a remake of the most sexist inappropriate snowman ever put to screen i also want them to make it relevant to 2023 so doubling down on murder snowman sorry bp your fellow countryman is betrayed you there was didn't michael keaton star in some jack frost movie but it wasn't the horror one obviously yes yeah it came out like the same year too or right around the same time as the uh first perfect timing the second jack frost movie is one that we're gonna have to subject bp to next year at christmas because he hated the first one so much and the second one is just pure like acid trip crack like bad horror movie like gold i just love passing the pain off to someone else like paying painting it forward so to speak join us sean do you have an answer to this question a movie that you would are a classic movie that you would like to see remade into a horror movie I don't know if it's a classic but i would i think touching back earlier i would love to see weekend at bernie's as a horror movie and maybe Bernie's like a zombie and he turns people into zombies and shit. And, but they only move when music plays, but they don't know that. 
you have to have steel drums going for the zombies to start coming after you and shit, but they don't know that. And it's like, oh no. I mean, I'd be okay with that. So I honestly, any excuse to bring back Weekend of Bernie's, I'm, I'm kind of okay with. Do you know, I have a classic movie? You know what movie but, would be real fucked up if it was a horror movie? Mannequin. Well, yeah. I mean, mannequins scare the shit out of me anyways, because it kind of goes along with the doll thing. But like, if you weren't looking like you turned your back on a mannequin and it came to life and would come after you and shit, that would freak me the fuck out. That would be the one of the most terrifying things I would ever see. It's pretty fair. So <laughs> I do want to say anyone who has said Muppets in a horror movie, I don't care what the premise is. A Muppet horror movie is something I would 100% be on board for. And you can apply that to any form of Muppet, be it, you know, the traditional Muppets, Labyrinth. Dark Crystal. Yeah, that one any of those, that'd be great. I would also be a big fan of seeing any of the old, like the, was it Fred Astaire and Bing Crosby dance movies where they just tap dance around and shit. Oh, Ginger Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Or how they in the rain uh, of blood, any of that shit. I want to see just, it doesn't basically just have the same movie except to have Jason show up and just stack. Myrtleize them. Have you ever seen meet the feebles? It's been a long time, but yes. It was a very cracked out. It's Peter Jackson, right? Like free Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Muppet. Yeah. It goes along with the Muppet theme. Those Muppets fuck, don't they? I believe they do. Yeah. I think one of them has syphilis or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I haven't seen that in a while, but I remember being moderately entertained by it. I hated it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well, that's good. Taste so. change. I think it's one of those things where someone's like, oh, I got this movie. You got to watch this movie. And then you sit there and you, you get all hyped up for it. And then when you watch it, you're like, I hate this. Why am I, why are we still watching this? I might feel that way if I rewatched it because any of Peter Jackson's free Lord of the Rings stuff that I've rewatched, I have like, I ready for someone to get mad at me. I don't really like dead live anymore. I never did. It's too over the top leaning into the British comedy into a horror movie, which I'm not necessarily against British comedy, but the way they do it in that movie, it just, it beats you over the head. And it's, I don't know. It, I got over it pretty quick. I can't watch bad taste anymore, so I have a feeling Meet the Feebles might not hold up. And now that I've said that about British comedy, you know what would be a fun movie? I'd like to see Life of Brian remade, keep the comedy intact, but have Jesus running around actually trying to kill Brian and getting offing people on his way to get to Brian because he's trying to take his, you know, trying to take his shine away. He could say, I kick ass for the Lord. Yeah, I'd rather him not. <laughs> so. Isn't that brain dead or dead alive? Don't, doesn't, isn't that? Yeah. Pre okay. I was yeah, same movie, trying to whatever. be clever we're calling it yeah i think it's dead alive here yeah anything else we want to touch on in this i feel like we've gone a little long for a movie that sucked ass for a movie that you hated we went pretty long no i'm i'm good i think i've said my piece on it well in that case if you would like to follow us we would greatly appreciate it. you can follow us anywhere we are at dewey pod monster if there is a social network out out there that's how you're going to find us is you know looking for that have some gumption take the time to send us a audio message send us a video whatever we will find a way to include it in the show we would greatly appreciate it and thank you pearl for taking the time to do that that's awesome we want to try to get more interaction like that so it's great to see that happening additionally you can find all our old episodes it is at crap town or wherever you get your podcast you can always scroll back and find those as well sean what do you got going on what else do we need to talk about i just want to say thanks to all the fine folks who left messages on x aka twitter and all the social media on our question of the week if you want your answer read on the question of the week answer you know feel free to respond if you have feedback on the show if you have feedback on this episode or any episode hit us up on social media like john said find us at craft.town that is a website and if you're interested in my craft beer adventure you can find me at youtube.drafttherapy.com or on all the social media networks at 
draft therapy. So that's it. Have fun. It's a wonderful night. Fuck off. We'll talk to you next year.